Welcome. We're talking today about hitting the target. And as far as hitting the target goes, um, we're going to talk about marksmanship. And we just read our passage in 1 John chapter um, 3, verses 4 through 7, and I'll go into some detail on that a little bit later. But the interesting thing about today's lesson is um, we, we all need to think about the problem of sin the solution to sin, and our helpers that help us along the way. So I'm going to give you a very easy example as we go through today. How many of you have, have watched um, that movie, American Sniper? Do you remember watching Clint Eastwood? He uh, filmed this. It's about the life of a man named Chris Kyle. And Chris Kyle, as you might remember, he was he's the uh, sniper from the military that has the most recorded kills in American history. I mean, this guy was, you know, bullseye. He was, he was a dead eye. He just hit every shot that he aimed for. And according to the movie's website that just that talks about his life, from 1999 until 2009, when he retired from the military, um, he, uh, was award, he was uh, awarded um, with about 160 confirmed kills, but inside the Navy SEALs, he was a SEAL, they actually say it was probably twice that number. So this guy was an absolute uh, legend. Um, and it's interesting because while he was in Iraq during that period of time, the Iraqi insurgents were so afraid of him, they called him al Shatan, which means in Arabic, the devil. And they put a $30,000 bounty on his head. That's how afraid they were of this man. Uh, he, was, he was a great shot. He was a good guy. Um, and he wrote a book about him, uh, that was a, a biography on him by Michael Mooney that talks about him being the legend. Because in the inner circles uh, of, of his SEAL brothers, that's what he was known for. And here's the history on that. See, he uh, had four tours of duty in, in Iraq. And during those four tours, he uh, earned two silver stars, five bronze stars with valor. Um, and you all know what with valor means. That means he did something above and beyond the duty, and so you can get a star, but when you get a star with valor, that means you really were exceptional. He survived six IED attacks. Remember the improvised explosive devices? He had um, uh, two helicopter crashes, three gunshot wounds, and more surgeries than he could imagine. Um, that's how he earned the name among his SEAL brethren of the legend, and that's really how he was known. So when we talk about being a legend... I mean, how do you become like that? Well, you have to be a good marksman to do that. And he certainly was a good marksman. You might know in the military, in the Army, and in the Marines, they have what are called marksmanship badges. And they have a marksmanship badge competition where every year they get together, they get the best and the brightest, who apparently are the best shots of their particular platoon. And they have this big contest, and they do 50 yards and 100 yards and 200 yards, you know. And they just see who can score the highest, who can really be the best marksman out of that entire group. And it's a, you receive this badge when you show that not only can you handle your piece, you can handle your rifle well, but you also show that you've got good um, self-control. You've got some abilities that really help you to stand out to say, not only am I a good shot, but I'm also a good officer. I'm a good member of the military. Um, and that's how you receive that badge. You score the most points, and then you really just show yourself to be a true marksman. What about us? 
when we talk about our marksmanship of our own life, when we take this and apply that idea, we're looking down the road of life and we see our target. Our target is our heavenly reward. It's the salvation of our soul. But what, how does it look for us? Because I don't know about you, but I, I don't, I've shot you know, targets before and been out hunting, but it's really tough to imagine hitting your shot dead on every single time. In fact, um, uh, it, it, it really, a lot of us have to admit that there are many times when we miss the mark. Uh, there, think about this. So what are some things that might cause a, a, a rifleman to miss their mark? Well, you might have uh, what's called windage, right? The wind. You might have the length of the barrel where you have to adjust for the wind and you have to adjust for the height. Uh, maybe you're shooting and it's really, you're really tired, right? You've been out all day. Uh, maybe it's a broad daylight shot, or maybe it's in the middle of the dead of night, and you're working out there just as many snipers do for days at a time. Well, um, several of the writers that talked about Chris and all the different articles I read said he actually did some of his best shots while he was under enemy fire, meaning the sniper and his spotter go out early to help protect the platoon, and they're out there, and they're in the middle of, in the thick of it. And he, they said some of his best shots were right there protecting his own guys. And my guess is that if your life is like mine, and you're out there in life, and you're probably under a lot of enemy fire too, that your life looks a little bit like this. Because that's what sin is. Sin is, is missing the mark. Sometimes you hit it. I mean, sometimes we have really great days, and we do wonderful things. But sometimes we're off, and sometimes we're way off. And we just have to recognize. And, and the Greek word for sin is called hamartia. Hamartia, among, among other definitions, really just means simply to miss the mark. You know where you're supposed to shoot. You know what you're supposed to do, the good that you should do. But we just we don't do it. We miss that. And let's go back and just have a little bit of history to back this up. See, God, when he established the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20... He talks about rules for holy living. So these are targets, if you will. He gives you ten targets in the Old Testament. And he gives you the Levitical laws that you read about in the rest of Exodus and Leviticus. And then he repeats the storyline of the history in Deuteronomy. But you, he give, God lays this down through Moses to say, here's the targets. Here's what you aim for to be the kind of person that I'm looking for. This is how God will reveal himself through Israel to the rest of the world at that time, and, and nine of those still apply today. So we look at uh, those rules and we think, well, there's the targets. Here's how I show that I'm right. Here's how I'm aiming towards the salvation of our souls. Um, but, but we have to admit that we, when we miss that mark, it's not because God made the law and the law was bad. The law was good. The problem is sin. The problem is Satan. So God's law is good, it is what happens when you miss that mark because of sin that is the problem. And we have to admit the problem of sin. In other words, when even though God made the law good, sin uh, worked through that law to bring about in us the problems that we have, right? We don't, we don't always measure up to that standard. And that's just part of the problem. So what is sin? Sin's missing God's mark. And you can imagine it's little things. It's loving the sin and hating the sinner. Um, it's hate, it's uh, being disobedient, it's lying, and you can talk about lots of things. It's gossip, right? It's, it's being uh, too respectful as in your flattery, right? You're, you're, you're uh, really actually mocking someone, right? 
instead of respecting them. And you can actually look at these lists in Romans 1 or 1 Corinthians or Galatians, and there's all these lists of things that where, where people miss the mark. They fall short. Um, not a single one of us are innocent of all, of all of these. And we need to admit that that's the problem. The problem at the root of the, of the human condition is sin. And I'm going to show you a solution in a few minutes, but, but that is the critical piece. Because if we don't accept the diagnosis, what are we going to do? We're not going to accept the cure. So we have to accept this part and recognize that we do fall short. So I'd like to continue on, and I want to show you part two. Part two is this. How many of you remember this guy? His name is Chris, uh, sorry, Carlos Hathcock. Now you can see him. He's getting a Medal of um, Honor there. And he had MS, so you can see the soldiers holding him up at that time. Um, it, during the Vietnam War, he was the greatest sharpshooter of that era. He had 93 confirmed kills. Nobody knows how many the real number is. Now, you may not know him, but you'll know the story about him. Um, he actually was uh, going out to, he was assigned to kill an NVA general, a guy that was badly on the high list of most wanted, you know, guys. And they sent him out in the middle of nowhere, and he had to crawl through open marsh for three days. Open marsh. This is open country. He's covered in camouflage. He's got his equipment, and he's crawling. Three days he didn't eat. He sets up, he finds the general, he takes a shot, kills him, finds three days, he marches back. There were times when he said that the enemy was within 20 feet of him while he's undercover. And he thought for sure, you know, on several occasions that he would be caught. But in fact, he made it out alive. Uh, he said by the time he got back, he was tired, he was sore, he was weary, he was hungry, obviously. But he was very proud. In fact, um, he was from Arkansas. And he uh, was well known among his brethren as a solid guy. His, his commanding officer, actually, when he got back from that assignment, had to tell him, I'm ordering you to your tent to rest. Because he actually was ready to just suit up, eat up, you know, and clean up, and then just go right back out and pick up whatever the next assignment was. He actually had to be ordered, hey, go back, you need rest, you don't need to be out there. Um, interesting story about that guy. Uh, well, in our life, we have a, a guy who has hit a target, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he has hit every single target that was ever brought uh, before him. And when you think about our life, we're aiming in that direction, because someday we want to meet him, and we want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been, you've been responsible over little, uh, come and be responsible over much. Or you've found favor, right? You've done well, so come and enter into the joy right, of your master. I mean, that's what we're looking for, right? Our target, you know, he gives eternal life. Our target is our, the salvation of our soul. It's eternal life with him. So what's our aim? Our aim is to please him. That's 2 Corinthians 5. That's our, that's our aim as we walk through life. And so it's really interesting. Um, uh, when you take the Lord's Supper, we take the Lord's Supper every week in the churches of Christ. We take the broken body, a uh, broken, uh, a bruised body of Jesus. And I know he didn't break any bones. And we take that little bread, that piece of unleavened bread, and we eat that to remind us of his bruised body. We take the, the, the cup to symbolize the blood that was shed. And we do that every week to remind us that Jesus Christ, he willingly gave up his life. And no, he didn't have to maybe crawl three days in the marsh, but he did have to die and spend three days in the tomb. 
and he did have to go and take on all the sins of the world. That's 1 John 2, 2. And when he did that, he did that for us. And he did that so that we would have that hope of eternal life someday. And he willingly does that. He wants to, to win so that he can give us eternal life. And he hit his target. He hit his target. And, and, you know, he didn't waver in the face of his enemy. He didn't, you know, Satan probably was laughing at him at that point. But he knew that once he had died, and then God had raised him from the dead. That's the cry of the whole New Testament. That's Acts chapter 2. That's Paul. That's every, every uh, character in the, in the apostles. You can see them. That's Philip in Acts chapter 8. What's the cry of, Je- of the story of Jesus? He is arisen. That means he's conquered death. That means sin no longer has mastery. And so when we submit willingly to follow after Jesus Christ, we have that blessing as well. We have the forgiveness of sins. We no longer have to go back to sin. It is a very powerful story. It's the cry of the New Testament. Jesus is risen. We have hope. You know, Christopher, uh, or excuse me, Carlos used to say of himself that uh, whenever he would be given an assignment, he would go out and he would start taking the lay of the land. And he learned how to concentrate so hard, he said that he could only, he could hear the rustle of the leaves he could hear every single st- every single noise. He could pinpoint it around him. And he would go and slowly get up, up to his target and get himself set until he was finally zeroed in on his target. And he would not release that concentration until he actually had you know, gotten out of that situation and was actually back on base. In fact, most of his uh, teammates said that guy was, he, he, once, he, once he found his assignment and he was out there, he would not give up until he completed that. And, of course, he completed all those successfully. Um, it's interesting. That's how Jesus was for us. And he never missed. He never missed. Because, really, what was Jesus' aim? His aim was you and I. He really wanted to save all of mankind from their sins. So it's neat stuff when you think about it. It's neat stuff when you think about it. Um, let's sing. My precious Savior suffered pain and agony. He bore it all that I might live. He broke the bonds of sin and set the captive free. He bore it all that I might live. He bore it all. That I might see his shining face, he bore it all. Oh, I'm sorry, we're doing part singing. That's my fault. I kept thinking there were, kept thinking the bass will kick in. But um, anyways, we'll go on to part three. Um, so now, so we have the problem. Jesus is the solution. Now what about our life nowadays? Because we read the Bible and we think about it. And the passage we read today was out of a book out of the letter 1st John. So John was an apostle. He was considered the one who loved Jesus, the the one whom Jesus loved. He was close to him. In fact, um, the scriptures talk about John being the closest to Jesus. Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he sees his mom and he says, you know, behold, your son, right? And John talks about taking Mary home and taking care of her for the rest of her life. 
So here's that very close relationship between Jesus and John and John and us. Because John is our spotter. You know what a spotter is, right? He goes out with the sniper in every kill. And that spotter has that scope, and he looks downfield, and he, he measures the distance, and he takes into account all the different factors like the wind and the weather and, and all of that. And actually, sometimes when you see shots coming, um, he, can, he can measure those and find out where they came from. Um, interesting story, when, when Carlos was out on one of his missions, um, you might have seen this in several movies uh, where this has been repeated, um, especially like Saving Private Ryan. There's the one scene when they're in the Germantown. Um, this is a real story. He, he was out on, a, um, on an assignment once, and the Viet Cong were so, ang were so upset with this guy that they put a bounty on his head and put the best sniper they had out to search for him. And as soon as they'd find out where he was at, they'd send this guy out and say, set up, because you might see him and you can get him. Well, um, Carlos talks about this in his, in his biography, where he was lining up on his shot because he knew this guy was out there somewhere. He didn't know where. He and his, he and his guy did not, could not find him until he saw through his scope the, the, the glint, the glint, uh, you know when your glasses, when the sun hits them, there's that reflection? He saw the reflection off of the lens of the enemy, this other sniper, and, he sh and the only thing he said that saved him his life was that he shot him first. And guess where the shot went? Right through the scope. And you've seen this in many movies. It's been repeated over time, but that was a real, the original shot was a real, that was real history. Um, it's interesting, so you need, you need a spotter. You need somebody to help you to see those things. For John is our spotter. The letter First John is our guide. It's helping us. It's a marksman's guide, if you will. And he, he sets up God. God is the standard. Anything that is sin is lawlessness because it deviates from the standard. Good is doing what God wants. Not doing good is, is sin. Um, Jesus appeared to take away sin, and he wants to take away sin. And we need to just be sorry for our sins, repent of them, turn away and not do them anymore, and ask, uh, ask God to forgive because he wants to forgive. But we have to turn and ask him for that. We have to turn away from sin and self and society and say, I'm going to follow Jesus with my whole heart. We have to aim for our target and we need to hit our target well. And you know with Jesus, we can hit our target well. And so John is writing to this problem of, of, of people in that particular time. It's... it's Right after the New Testament church had started and all of the, all of the real exciting stuff had kind of settled down, right? Uh, Jesus had gone back up into heaven and the apostles now were spreading out and the word was growing and the churches were growing. And, and, and so it's kind of getting to a point where people are getting away from the original uh, group. And so there's a question, is Jesus really real? I mean, I didn't see him with my eyes. Is, is Jesus really God in the flesh? Did he really come down? Was the crucifixion really a real event because these people were far enough away, they just heard of the news, they weren't there to witness it. And John's trying to remind him, it's real. God is real. Sin is real. Jesus died for you for real. He really came down in the flesh. We saw him. We're witnessing this to you. We're writing this down so you can read this and you can know this. You can trust in what, what we're saying to you. We're spotting for you so you can see where you need to go and not miss that direction. Not turn away from Jesus. And so whenever we worry about sin in our own life, we need to remember that in 1 John 2.1, Jesus is our advocate. He fights for us. 
He intercedes. He wants to see all mankind saved. There's hope. There's hope for you and I because of the sacrifice that he gave. Sin does not need to be your master. We don't need to be carried away down to a to a devil's hell because of that. Forgiveness is there. It's available. It's free at the foot of the cross. We just need to turn. So we need to make it our aim to aim for our eternal reward. And we do that by obeying the gospel message. And when you think about this, um, to go back to our original character, to Chris Kyle, he said this. This is one of his famous quotes. He said, you know what? I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to meet my creator. I'm ready to answer for every single shot that he took. And he was actually proud that he could serve in the military and protect the men that he was able to protect. And he said, uh, the one thing that haunted him was the persons that he couldn't save because he, could, he can do what he can do from his position. But he knows that that's one of the sad realities of war. But what he did do, he's ready to face God for. Could we say that we're ready to do the same? That's the challenge for us today. All right. How many of you know that?